This is episode 8 with Dai Manuel of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. My name is Joel Ong and I'm the founder and video strategist here at Tape Your Time. Uh, we help business owners and founders um, to really showcase their story and also uh, to record that on video so that they can have a lifelong asset that they can share and unite people to their cause. So um, today's guest is Dai Manuel and Dai is a lifestyle entrepreneur and he quit his career of 17 years. His wife quit her job a month later. Um, he published a book. They put their kids out of school and they started traveling. And eventually they settled down for the last two and a half years in Bali, in Indonesia. And Dai is also an author and a keynote speaker. And he's also the former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company known as Fitness Town. And he's a lifestyle mentor right now and executive performance coach. So Dai calls himself a super dad. He says he's dating his wife with a lead by example kind of walk the talk way of living. And he has a contagious personality. I mean, you can um, hear that right through this episode in the podcast. And he's on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a fun, F-U-N, Shengli fit life so functionally fit life through education encouragement and community and a good part of what he does today is helping people with massive transformation in their lives so that um, they can live their lives more abundantly and have a rock solid foundation for their lifestyle so today's episode is very very interesting we have a deep inside look into Dai's story and his personal journey of how you know he overcome obesity fitness and then eventually also uh, his alcohol and substance addiction and um, how he's living a fulfilled and abundant life right now and how he empowers and enables other people to do likewise we talk about being in service of other people we talk about balancing different things, identifying destructive behaviors, dysfunctional behaviors, um, crutches that you're using to deal with your everyday um, situations as well. We talk about the three questions that you need to ask yourselves so that you can kickstart your journey for change for the better. We talk about obsessive behaviors and shifts as what Dai calls. Uh, we also dive into his idea of choice and how he has utilized this process to be able to really take control of his life, live a more abundant, fulfilled life, um, be able to take control of his own health and happiness and environment. So once again, if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a review, subscribe, like on wherever you're listening on, whether it be iTunes, Teacher, Spotify, Anchor, wherever that may be, uh, we really do appreciate you leaving a review and also supporting us so that we can get on board better guests uh, and more quality content for your years um, each and every week. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. So Dai, um, what do you love about what you do today? Oh, wow. I, I guess, you know, it's funny, Joel, is 
you know what it's like. You're out connecting with people and people are like, what do you do? What is it that you do? And uh, <laughs> I, I wish people would ask like, hey, what do you love to do? You know, because uh, often I know people are really into titles. And if I had to give myself a title, you know, I'm a man who's been dating his wife for about 20 years. Actually, it's uh, 20 years today. And uh, I'm also a, an engaged father, you know, a healthy, active father, great role model to my kids who are now 14 and 16. But I mean, those would be the, the primary things of, of what really makes up my life and uh, is why I do a lot of what I do, you know, is, is just the importance of family. But if we actually get into sort of like the, the, the careers of things and how am I making an impact in the world? Uh, my mission is to really help people maximize their level of happiness through management of health, you know, both physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Cool. Awesome. I mean, uh, it's very interesting that you call yourself, uh, I think it's like a super dad, right? And also yeah. <laughs> that you're dating your <laughs> wife is very, very interesting. Um, I mean, uh, so far, I think I've only known one other person who's also a life coach who mm -hmm. um, uses terms like that in, in such a way. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a beautiful metaphor, I mean, uh, that comes up, the, the image that comes up in my head because, you know, uh, a lot of times that, that the passion dies away, you know, once you get into uh, marriage, you have kids, family, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it seems that... Uh, people, you know, either get lazy and they stop working, you know, working, whether in their relationships and stuff like that, or even professionally mm -hmm. in the workplace, you know, where, you know, for example, you know, once you get that customer or get that client or you have them on your team, then you stop building that relationship and building on it. So mm -hmm. um, could you tell us more about, you know, um, w what made you end up doing what you do today? Well, it's interesting. You know, my path isn't a straight line, but it's a line nonetheless. <laughs> you know, I've had lots of ups and downs and overs and unders and well, it's just life. You know, it, it takes us, that's an adventure. Let's just call it that. And uh, when I was a teen, I was morbidly obese. So I was really unhealthy. And a lot of the cliche or stereotypes that would be attached to somebody with that kind of uh, health condition you know for my my case i was very overweight and so i had asthma sore joints uh, i was very lethargic tired i was also very withdrawn emotionally and uh, i would tend to avoid social settings just because i was lacking confidence i had a really low self-opinion and, and not a very po uh, positive image of myself and uh, you know at age 15 though I, I made some pretty drastic changes and it was because I finally chose to to make a change and I started to do things a little bit differently but I educated myself on on how to move my body to create a certain result i.e <laughs> reduce mm -hmm. some weight uh, but I also started to educate myself on nutrition and I really got started on the whole personal development uh, journey if you will and you know about took about two years almost to fully realize the weight and establish a new lifestyle, which now has been the lifestyle I've been living ever since. Uh, but, you know, that's when I got a taste for helping people because what is naturally happens is people saw me go through that massive transformation and people that were wanting to see some changes in their own life started reaching out. They started asking me questions, started approaching me saying, Hey, I, I know you've, you seem to know something about fitness. Like you, you've completely changed your life. Can, can you help me? Can you give me some ideas or some pointers or some help? And so I started to really enjoy that. And, and this idea of serving others to create a transformational result. And I've been doing that ever since in lots of capacities, uh, but I eventually became a personal trainer 
when I was finishing up university. And then I got into equipment sales, uh, retail, selling fitness equipment products. So uh, big equipment uh, right down to accessories like shoes and clothing and supplements. And uh, I had a knack with that. I, I was very, very good at what I did. I was one of the top people in Canada. And uh, within a short period of time, I was promoted to uh, a sales management role and eventually to a regional role. And then I had, a, uh, excuse me, an opportunity to partner uh, with someone. And uh, we started our own company, which uh, grew to be a Canadian national company, as well as uh, we, we had e-commerce, uh, e-commerce uh, coast to coast, uh, also did manufacturing overseas and, and uh, man, all sorts of stuff. So it was B2B and B2C did that for 17 years, you know, and, uh, and then five years ago, I was just like, you know what, uh, this isn't my passion anymore. I'm not having fun with this. And, uh, I went through what most people go through, you know, an existential crisis. <laughs> you know? I was like, Oh man, I don't want to yeah, do this yeah. anymore. Cause I, I started looking at the path ahead of me and I was like, man, 20 years from now, do I want to still be doing this? You so know, how, how, hearing, how old were you when you meet this? Shift? Well, to give you an idea. Yeah. I was 38 or actually I started questioning that path at around 37 uh-huh. and yeah, I'm now 43. So it's uh, it'd be almost six years ago. I started the idea like, man, I'm not having fun anymore. I kind of think I want to make a change. My wife was very supportive and encouraging. And, uh, you know, I also, my, my business partner at the time was 20 years my senior. And uh, I was looking at his life, right? Like, because he mm-hmm. was then at that time 57. And I was like, you know, uh, I really don't want his life. <laughs> I want my own life. And I want other things. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my family full time. I, I like to travel. I like to connect with people in a deeper way and just selling products. And uh, so I made some shifts. You know, I, I left that career and uh, wrote a book and started traveling with my family, pulled their kids out of school, gave away all our stuff, packed up uh, the suitcases and just started traveling. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we ended up in Bali and sort of got stuck here. And uh, it's a nice <laughs> place to be stuck, to tell you the truth. And, uh, um, but, you know, I started working with, uh, well, I, I started speaking professionally uh, a number of years ago. So I do quite a bit of that around the world now, speaking to large organizations and, and, and right down to, to small groups uh, really helping them with understanding the power of choice and health and well-being and the holistic journey that we're all on to to really being fully accountable to our own lives and and what we want and uh and then life coaching and that kind of stuff you know and so it's it's been a heck of a journey i do lots of different things but at the end of the day it's all about helping people create a rock solid foundation on health you know and because once you've got that foundation laid man you can do anything like really, I mean, what can stop you when you have your health? Well, you can work harder, you can be more productive, you can be more focused, which in turn can allow you to create more wealth, you know, and it's not a matter of earning more money and then trying to buy back your health. It, that, that unfortunately has diminishing returns. <laughs> if you do it the other way around, it, it's amazing what you can produce and how you can scale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in fact, um, my, my own coach talks about how, you know, um, what really makes people happy is progress and not what you acquire. Mm. So, right. you know, um, because change is always a constant and progress is a choice, right? <laughs> so I want to mm-hmm. tap into what you've just said because you said a lot of interesting things that I want to tap on, but I'd like to just ask you first on, you know, um, on change and choice because you personally made a mm. lot of big shifts in your whole <laughs> journey. Um, 
were there any some common trends there in terms of you know what sparked that change i mean as a as a little boy you know like when you're 15 right um was yeah. it like opinions of others or was it like you know because as, as, as children you don't quite seem to care what other people thought of you initially right until you know probably yeah. the adolescence period where you know you start to like oh shit you know i get self-conscious or you know <laughs> maybe i'm obese overweight you know i look myself in the mirror i don't feel good about myself and stuff like that um what was it that was it an external trigger or was it like something internal um did it come about over time or is it like you know there's this event that uh sparked that change yeah well thanks for asking joel and uh, it, you know to be honest it, it was a I mean, it happened gradually. Like you don't wake up one day and you find yourself more morbidly obese, you know, like <laughs> it, 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 it took work, you know, and, and, or I should say lack thereof work. You know, I, I, I was eating very um, poorly, like a lot of nutrient poor foods that were really high in calories, a lot of sugars, a lot of really fatty stuff, processed foods, you know, and, uh, and I wasn't exercising. I was playing a lot of video games. I was not moving my body very much. So, you know, day after day of doing that for a number of years, yeah, the scale's going to go a, a different direction. The body changes and, and not necessarily in a positive way. But along with that, as those shifts were happening and the more and more uh, unhealthy I was becoming, uh, the more withdrawn I was also becoming because to be honest, uh, you know, kids, uh, well, they, they can be mean, they can be cruel. You know, I, I was bullied and uh, I was teased and, you know, there's lots of not very flattering nicknames and, uh, you know, it, they were just part of growing up and being a teen. And once I got into high school, I was like, man, I, I, there's gotta be a better way. And I was depressed. And, uh, you know, I found myself one day, contemplating the idea of ending my life you know and uh, i have to be brutally honest with you all like the idea of killing myself scared me a lot more than the idea of actually doing something to positively change myself mm. you know like as intimidating as change is because we all have a fear of change we do because there's the unknown and the unknown's intimidating we just don't know i mean think about when we were cave people like We'd see a bush around a corner and we'd be like, is there a lion behind the bush? I don't know. Like, we're, we're, We have to be, you know, on guard. We are conditioned that way because it's a survival mechanism. But change can be positive, you know, especially if it's something that we're proactively going after because we know it's going to help make things better. However, <laughs> you know, it was that fear of not making the change and the idea of ending my life and having to live the rest of my life potentially in this state of, of depression and sadness and, and just, oh, man, that scared me. And the, the idea of change didn't seem so intimidating any longer. Mm. And it was at that point I said, okay, I'm going to make some changes. You know, and literally and my kids laugh at me because this is pre-Google, okay? I'm totally dating myself here, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the library, man. I went to the library. I got a, a bunch of books on fitness and nutrition. My parents uh, were supportive. They bought me a mountain bike. So I started cycling because I could do it by myself. I could do it with anybody without anybody around. And uh, I, they also eventually got me a gym membership. And uh, I remember being so intimidated going into that gym, you know, especially as an overweight teenager. And there's all these like, and, you know, back then they weren't the really nice facilities like they have now. It was pretty dingy, <laughs> you know, all this old steel and equipment and a bunch of older dudes around. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? But the coolest thing happened. These people were really nice. 
they actually wanted to help me. And so I would ask questions. They give me advice. They tell me what to do. And I just did it. I just started doing the work, you know, and yeah, it took a little while, it took about 20 months, but going through that change, I've seen big changes now in my life and a lot of other areas. It's never as intimidating as that first time, you know, because once you're able to go through it and follow a process and just trust a process, yeah, people can create any result they want in their life. They really can. And uh, so it's that power of choice and recognizing that we, we have a lot more power in us than we give ourselves credit. Mm, yeah, um, I like I like a lot of things that you said, especially you know the the idea about um, proactively you know having a a, um, a strong and compelling reason why you do something, mm-hmm. um, you know. Right. So just so that I can just so that the audience can follow what you just said, um, let me see if I can try to understand what you just said. So yeah, sure. you, you started with a a small mental decision in your mind that you're going to you're not happy with your current situation. And then later on, um, your environment played a big factor because people around you were supportive. And then uh, you talked also about you know trusting the process and um, having a, a system in place so that you could do the work and you know put your head down, do the work, and uh, eventually you know take baby steps. And then the momentum builds up, and then um, you you start to see transformation or change. Is, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Well, once you start seeing results, it, it, I mean, it becomes a lot. Well, you just start to see a lot more energy getting created to, to help maintain that, that, you know, momentum that you've started to create for sure. That, that energy produces more positive energy just because mm-hmm. you're seeing results. You know, it's working. It's like, okay, this is good. This is good. Keep doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I, want to, I want to focus in even deeper um, about the, you know, the, the idea of positive Mm-hmm. Uh, results right because uh, mm-hmm. I know obviously any audience who's listening to this is, is hard out there you know to just miraculously instantly <laughs> say hey I'm going to change today you know <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah I mean of course it starts with a small decision and uh, I think I'll get to that as well I want to ask you about it um, but uh, you know a lot of people I think I see around me you know make uh, you know for example New Year is coming right you know 2020 yes they make New Year oh, resolutions yeah. like <laughs> you see this in the gym right um the, you know, mm-hmm. they purchase gym memberships and then uh, the, the gym is like fully crowded at the start of the month and then February comes right. and March comes <laughs> and then they all disappear. You know, they, they say, you know, things like, oh, I'm going to stop eating, you know, unhealthy food. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to like lose, you know, 10 pounds, stuff like that, right? Um, yeah. But I think one of the problems with these kind of goals is, and I think one of the reasons why they fail in those resolutions is, you know, these types of goals aren't very inspiring. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're framed in the, in the negative it is, it's about what you won't do or what you're not going to get. And, you know, mm. thinking about goals like this, it's hard for me to motivate myself to move forward with it. But in contrast mm. to what you were saying, um, where you have a, like a, almost like a compelling vision or image in your head of why, why you, you moved forward to, to create something different, you know, it's something that drives you forward and pulls you forward. And um, I, I want to talk about, you know, um, also about your, you know, your struggles with um, substance as well. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, like anything, it does start with a choice, you know, but you also have to be fully aware of where you're starting. And, and really it's being fully mindful of, okay, where am I at? And, and taking an honest inventory at that point. Uh, because if you don't know where you're at, you know, as cliche as it is, it, it's funny. It's how GPSs work, right? We need to be able to, <laughs> to, mm. to have a, a somewhere that we can plot from, 
You know, you need that location of where you're starting. And because if, if you want to go any direction, you just start walking. But it, it really, there's no purpose other than to just walk. <laughs> but if you actually have a destination you're trying to get to, well, and you know where you're starting from, you can plot a course. You can plot a line. And uh, obviously, there, there's that's an oversimplified approach. But it, that simplified view on change is a great way to start and make it less intimidating, mm. you know, and, and obviously this idea of support, I truly believe that it's, it's required. You know, we, 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 I do. Okay. Let me speak from the, the eye here. Like I've noticed in my biggest moments where I've overcome some, some pretty, uh, you know, I would have classified them as the biggest, pivoting points in my life, you know, where I've felt like I've reached rock bottom. And of course you can always go deeper. You can always go below the bottom uh, mm -hmm. as I've yeah, yeah. found and I've had people correct me on, but in my own personal experience, what I was experiencing at that moment felt like the rock bottom for me. And I just know at that moment, you know, you, you make a decision. It's like, do I really want this to change right now? Or do I want to accept how things are or do I want to end it? I mean, it, to me, it got to that point where I was like, okay, I, I can see pretty clearly what choices are in front of me. Which one can I actually get behind and, and which one do I really want to get behind? You know, and I think there's three questions that most of us ask. And, and the first one is when we start to think about change, we ask to ask ourselves, can I do this? You know, and because it's really an education and a support thing. You know, like if I now go and do this, will it work? You know, that's the second question I typically follow up. Can I do this? Like if I ask one, can you, can you, like Joel, let's just say you wanted to put on 10 pounds of muscle, right? Mm -hmm. And like, can you do that? Could you do that, Joel? Do you believe that you could do that? Yeah. The, the possibility, right? Not the, the hope of right. it, but possibility. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But realistically, like, can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, probably. Let's just say it's the yes. It's a probably. Yeah, I, I feel confident I can do that. I've mm -hmm. seen other people go out there and put on muscle mass. I imagine if I follow a process, I can probably do that too. And, yep, yep. you know, so I would follow that up. Okay, well, let's figure out a way. Like, what do you think is the best way to go about putting on muscle mass? Well, I should probably learn to eat a little bit differently and I'm probably going to have to work out, you know, put my body under a certain amount of stress so it can adapt. Okay, great. So if you do commit to that, where you eat a little bit differently and you start to work out a little bit differently, if you do that, will it work? Yeah. I mean, with the, with the right mindsets and the right process in place, um, I don't see how I'm any different from some other, you know, Johnny or Sally or Tom who have That's followed right. the same system and gotten the results. Exactly. Well, here's the third question to that. Okay. So you've basically got a yes and a yes now. <laughs> now here's the third one. Uh, I'm, right? a, I'm a very easy customer <laughs> client. Well, well <laughs> and, and, I mean, this is, this is a fairly easy. This is a hypothetical. Right? Yeah, but yeah, I'm kidding, yeah. It, it, again, number question number three is, is it worth it? You know, and, and really that should be reframed as, am I worth it? You know, you asking yourself, well, am I worth undergoing the change, you know, am I worth the work to achieve the result that I've said I want to achieve? Because is it worth it? I mean, this is a fairly superficial one. It's like, is it worth it to put on 10 pounds of muscle? Well, mm -hmm. if I've had clients, uh, men that have come to me and, you know, they haven't taken their shirt off at the beach for 10 years. Why? Because they have a very low self-opinion and a very poor body image. Mm. They're depressed. They don't 
their relationship with their spouses is very weak, you know, almost non-existent sexually because they don't even like how they look. You know, they don't like how they feel. I'll tell you to that individual, making a physical change like that affects everything. And, you know, is it worth it? Well, gosh, are you worth it? You know, are you worth the work to make the change that you told me matters to you a lot because of all these other areas in your life? You know, and I, I don't want to just quantify goals. I like to qualify them. Like, mm. sure, we can talk about numbers all day long, but what does the number actually mean to you? What does it provide you? You know, as Simon Sinek says, you know, like, what's the why? Getting that emotional connection to the changes that we're going through and why they're so important to us. Well, that's, that's where I, I feel, you know, when I've made the biggest changes, there was a huge emotional component and psychological component, more so than anything else, you know? Awesome. I'm, I'm going to segue. I think this is a very, sure. very nice moment to segue into, um, because you talked about the emotional connection and uh, I guess it's what I call um, intrinsic drive or motivation, why you want to do something, mm-hmm. your, your why, right? It's not mm-hmm. externally driven. Uh, but I also do see that sometimes um, people depend or, you know, for example, like um, if, if, if uh, someone, I'm imagining, you know, a perspective where someone has very low uh, self-image of themselves, uh, they're very insecure about their bodies and how they look. Um, you know, mm. and let's say, for example, they're very successful in their professional life, you know, they got a lot of mm-hmm. wealth, you know, uh, but they don't have a great body, right? Mm-hmm. So I find that sometimes people compensate, they, they overcompensate on some areas just to make up for the shortfall in others, instead of addressing the real problem. Um, because That's it's right. easier, it's easier, I mean, in, in their minds, because we're driven always by uh, away from pain and towards pleasure, right? So it's easier in their mm-hmm. minds, it's less painful for them to stay where they are. Um, where they're comfortable and where they are excelling at and sometimes when you overcompensate it becomes unhealthy or it becomes you know counterproductive and stuff like that so um, I just want to you know segue into um, your own struggles your own journey with um, you know for example with, with alcohol for example you know substance addiction I think it's a common mm-hmm. way of compensating as well you know you you numb yourself towards substances or uh, other things True. you know it could be even um you know some form of like pleasure seeking behavior right like playing video games yeah. this is the same kind yeah. of threat of addictive behavior right um or even you know people that i i know um you know they, they they have to wake up every morning um you know you have the emotional connection you have that why but the why is driven by let me watch youtube motivational videos every morning <laughs> so that i can get pumped up so that, okay, yes, I'm finally able to go to the gym now. I'm finally able to, you know, do the things that I need to do. But I, I always found that, you know, this reliance on this kind of motivation and this kind of willpower will, won't last. It, it runs out. So, you know, um, how, mm-hmm. how did you manage to, uh, what was your process like? Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up because, uh, yeah, I, I understand the whole motivation and willpower side of things. I mean, willpower is a, a depleting resource and you only get so much of it every day and when it's gone, it's gone, you know. Um, but motivation is an interesting thing because it's typically external, right? We, we find our motivation from external sources a lot of the time, but it, it's the inspiration, you know, finding that inspiration within and figuring out, well, what is that connection to, to doing the things that you're wanting to do to, or to accomplish or, or to how you're wanting to show up, you know? Uh, I mean, Joseph Campbell talks about following your bliss, 
And ultimately, it means choosing the path that allows you to maximize your sense of joy, uh, fulfillment, and purpose in life. You know, the Japanese call it your ikigai, you know, the reason you get up in the morning. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people, they do, they distract themselves. They, we, we do distract ourselves very well because if we feel like we're not living on purpose or on point or, or not feeling very purpose-driven in what we do, it, it creates a lot of doubt. It creates a lot of, I go as far as to say is pain, you know, or sadness, at least based on my own experience and with some of the people that I've had an opportunity to work with. And, uh, you know, for myself in my situation, I, I told you as a teen, you know, one of the external motivators, you talk about extrinsic motivations. Uh, I wanted a girlfriend, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I was more yeah. than the obese. I was out of shape. Girls did not, uh, tend to, I was always a good friend, but I was never a boyfriend. And, and you know, I wanted a girlfriend. And, uh, so that was definitely an external motivator for me, that idea of finally having a, a, a significant partner, you know? And, uh, so that was one of those external drives, but I was so focused on the external work, you know, working on my body. I didn't do a lot of internal work, especially when it comes to mindset. Uh, and, you know, I was still a teen, like, come on, <laughs> that's just where I was. And then I moved across the country from Toronto to Vancouver for university and, and you know, at 18 and, you know, here I am, this fit guy. And I, I did have a certain amount of confidence, but not really. It was more show than anything. Mm. And uh, this exterior, because I still internally believed I was that little fat kid. And what I would do is I, I was quite shy and, and I've always been quite shy. You know, there's that story that I kept telling myself over and over again. And with the shyness, um, it, it created a, a bit of social anxiety, you know, so going out to, to any social, uh, events or uh, even going out to like say a, a club or to a networking event like it didn't matter wherever there was lots of people I, I learned a really easy way to start opening up and that was to have a few drinks if I had a few drinks it was easy to connect with people at least what I believe was connecting with people you know to <laughs> yeah. be able to open up and talk and just let that guard down take the, the the stress off the edge off as they say and so that became a, a way for me to deal with that. And it eventually got to a point where that just became my norm for just dealing with stress, period, anxiety, anything that was out of the norm that made me feel somewhat off. Oh, I'll just have a few drinks, you know? And uh, that, that was something that I carried through and created this, this routine and this literally a lifestyle around it. So here I am, someone in the fitness industry for now over 20 years. And, you know, I'm, I was definitely peaking in my industry there in the retail world. Um, you know, one of the top guys in North America. You know, like, and here I am <laughs> helping people with healthy lifestyle choices when I was living something very different. You know, I was still working out. I go through all the motions of trying to keep myself fit, but then would be the evenings and the weekends where I would be doing stuff that completely undermined anything that I was doing on the positive. And uh, this created a lot of, of psychological strain in my life. You know, and, and so what do you do with that now? Oh, I can just drink more. <laughs> it was like a crazy <laughs> spiral. Yeah, and, roller coaster. Yeah. Oh, it was. And it was nuts, you know. And uh, it, it was about 10 years ago now that uh, I, I was like, okay, I got to start dealing with this social anxiety piece. I got to start learning how to open up to people and, and be a better communicator and leader. And and uh, so I joined an organization called Toastmasters. And right around this time when I'm joining this organization uh, to, to, to basically challenge this fear that I had, 
uh, it was great, but at the same time, I still had the drinking stuff happen and drinking would often lead to drugs and would lead to other issues and, and, and uh, promiscuity and just a lot of other things that I, I'm not proud of, but I'm not going to shy away from it. It's, it's part of my story, part of my journey. Uh, and I know a lot of other people have had similar struggles. And, uh, you know, I, I kept doing the thing that a lot of us do. You know, I, I'd go down a path and I'd be like, some something bad would happen. One night I, I went out and I went out an all-nighter. You know, my wife kept saying, you know, like it was one of those nights where I said, oh yeah, I'll be home after dinner. I'm going out with a couple of guys and be home after dinner. You know, two and warning walls around. Yeah, yeah. I'm still getting the text messages from my wife. She's like, where are you? What's going on? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be home later. And Because it was always easier to just ask for forgiveness than permission, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, uh, I remember driving back home that night and falling asleep at the wheel. And crashing my car across a ditch. And I ended up inches from a tree. Like, yeah. it's a miracle that I walked away from that completely untouched. Most people would take that as a wake-up call to be like, you know what? There's some seriously serious problems here. Well, I did. I stopped drinking for about a month. I was like, oh, I'm not going to drink anymore. You know, this is awful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, life, it, the further you get away from that traumatic experience, the we start to remember it differently. Yeah, it's like a blip. <laughs> you know, we start a blip in exactly the universe. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and so eventually you get to that point. It's like, oh, I can have one. I can have a couple more. You know. And then I was right back into the lifestyle again. And it came to a point though. One day my wife sat me down. You know, and and she she's a redhead. She's got some fire in her. You know, she is someone mm. that's one of the best people. One of the best people you would ever meet. Like, makes you feel like you can do anything. And she does that with everybody she meets. You know, she just brings the best to her people. She sat me down and, uh, and I could tell it was the talk, you know, like this is it. Uh, and just to paraphrase and just get to the point for, with this rather than, uh, you know, labor the story. Uh, she basically looked me in the eye and, and, and she just asked me one question, you know, because she just proposed that she was going to, you know, move out, take the kids away. And, you know, we, 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 she can't be around this anymore. She can't have the kids around it. And, uh, you know, I, I was breaking down. I, I was, I was crying. I was, I was really distraught. And, uh, you know, she just looked at me and she said, Ty, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? And that question, you know, I, I never thought about it that way. You know, I never really thought about anybody other than myself. And to be perfectly honest, or like if a guy would show up to to date or to to be in a relationship with my daughter that was acting anything like the man I was acting like, I wouldn't let him in the door. Mm. I wouldn't even let him around my daughter. And meanwhile, I was not being that role model for my own daughters, you know, for anybody. I, I was, you know, I talk <laughs> psychologically. You, you know, they, they call it. Um, uh, forget what the term so is it's like uh, sh shining the mirror on yourself right i mean breaking the, it, it, the yeah you're the right narcissism there of not yes. being able to see yourself yes and uh and i finally saw it you know and uh it was at that moment i was like you know what? i'm gonna make a commitment not to drink for a year and it, this was different this time because i wasn't just making it for them i was also making it for me like really making it for me and mm -hmm. uh what started as a year is now 10 years you know It'll be 10 years in january it's uh wild how fast time just sort of goes by but because of that one decision 
some of the shifts and the, the things that have happened in my life because it, it really forced me because now I didn't have that crutch anymore. I didn't have that conditioned response to stress and to anxiety and to, to everything else in my life. Any challenges that would pop up, I've now had to learn and challenge myself and these fears that I've had in a different way, a healthier way, you know, and, and to, as they say, do a lot of inner work. Uh, so even though I started this personal development and professional development uh, journey when I was a teen, it wasn't actually until I got to my 30s, early 30s, that I started to really focus on the inner side uh, of the journey. And uh, yeah, so it's, it, I mean, it's crazy. And, and for anyone that struggles with, with alcohol or just that relationship with alcohol isn't what you want it to be, or you recognize there's some, you know, there's a disconnect there uh, between who you are in everyday life versus who you might show up to be when you've had a few drinks. Well, challenge that you know just challenge it you don't have to accept it and, and it is always on us you know and uh yeah it's tough man it's really tough yeah i mean congratulations on you know the 10 year the 10 year period um, hey thank you yeah, yeah um yeah i mean it's, it's it's so easy just to take a sip it's so easy <laughs> yes, it you is. know, compared to the, <laughs> the the flip side of not doing it you know it's so easy mm. not to go to the gym it's so easy not to exercise it's so easy not to uh spend time with your kids you know things like that it's, it's very easy not to do the the hardest things in the world and i think that's the reason why they're hard because they're so easy <laughs> not to do um yeah but I, I wanted to talk about you know so for the people who realize or you know have this sense this gut sense that you know something's mm. not right with their lives i think they're on their way there because they're just deluding themselves, right? All you have to do right. is just remove the mask and they realize they're there. I want to, I want to talk about, you know, um, and ask your opinion and your advice on, um, for someone who, you know, it's a, it's a strange, funny feeling. Like, if you look at your life and then everything's going great, you know, you're living life and then um, you don't see what you don't see, you know, so mm. those crutches in your lives that you perhaps may be compensating but you don't quite realize it, um, what should someone be looking out for? Meaning like, what should someone be asking themselves so that they're in a state of mind that they can, they can look at themselves and, you know, assess, am I, am I having these crutches, this out of the norm kind of behaviors that are unserving me where I want to go? Um, or is it really very hard to do unless you have some, you know, external intervention, someone else <laughs> from the outside, you know, be it your wife or something, um, someone who can look at it more clearly, you know, your your best uh, uh, trusted, you know, friend, for example, or, you know, people who know you but don't quite want to tell you the truth, you know, sometimes that's the case, right? Um, mm. they, they, they know you very well, uh, they know yeah. what's going on, but, you know, um, there's this communication barrier there. So is it that or is it, is there a way, um, something that we can ask ourselves so that we can um, be able to assess if we are living with these conditioned responses to those mm. things that aren't serving us? Well, I think you frame that really well. It's uh, <laughs> the, the interesting thing. I'm just really thinking about what you've asked here. And it, just as it relates to even some of my stories or some of my uh, well, people that I've worked with. Yeah, know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, of course. Of course, I, I don't I don't want to um I I don't think it's it's well meaning advice if it's you know just con it's not contextualized for everyone. I'm just wanting yeah, to know yeah. from your journey. I mean, compared to mm -hmm. back then, you know, a uh, young fit die who yeah. thought that everything was going great. I you know I'm working on myself. Everything is going great. Mm -hmm. Versus now, you know, what has been the difference? Because it seems very similar. So 
um, how do you how do you know that or do you actually not really ever know you know like is this cash 22 no no this of? you're right Joel like it's it's the self-reflection piece you know Maslow you know in this hierarchy of needs at the very pinnacle of that the top of that pyramid you know is self-actualization and like we have to ask ourselves, what does that really mean you know and I, I think the Buddha, you know, if we have to go that direction, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, they, they talk about Nirvana, right? This idea of heaven on earth, even in other religions. And well, what does that mean? Wayne Dyer, you know, he's a Dr. Wayne Dyer has got some amazing books out there, but he wrote one called The Shift. And I, I absolutely love it because, it, you know, I, I found myself going through a bit of a shift. And, and the way he explains it is when we go from this uh, somewhat of an obsession that's over our ego or, or this idea of I, you know, like the world's all for me. <laughs> uh, and, and I get it when we're growing up and when we're learning our place in the world as the young adults, like we do, we have to look after ourselves. But there comes a point in our life where we go from me to we, you know, we want to make an impact. We want to do something more, something outside of us. And, and I, not necessarily everybody embraces that sensation or that feeling or that question, if you will, this idea, like, is there more? Is there, what am I meant to be doing? You know, those existential questions that we all find ourselves asking from time to time. It's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I like what I'm doing? Is this it? <laughs> like, am I meant to be doing more? And I think if we really sit with that question, at times it, it can be very intimidating. You know, it's a lot easier, as you said earlier, with this idea of change, you know, to, to do the things that don't require a lot of effort, the things that come easy to us. And sometimes those things that come easy provide us with momentary, well, let's just call it a, a distraction, right? Like drinking and drugs and um, gambling. And, and there, there's lots of things out there that we could argue as being fun, <laughs> you know, in the moment. Yeah. But we do know long-term those repeated actions have a very negative effect, not only on ourselves, but on anybody that's close to us. And we have to ask, well, why do we keep doing that? Well, if you don't have that deep sense of purpose and connection and ultimately why you're doing what you do, it's, it's hard to find out anything other than what you're doing. <laughs> you know, like you just, there's no contrast. And uh, I think just to, to, to sort of answer the question uh, straight up, it, it's in my situation, uh, I found that, I want to be able to frame this in a way that people really get it, you know, like, because when I went through some of these changes, it wasn't until I decided that I really wanted to make the change. It didn't matter that my wife wanted me to make a change. It didn't really matter about my kids. I mean, they're important to me. They really are. But you talked about the mirror earlier, Joel, this idea of, you know, and, and those that are closest to us. Yeah. Some of them might be intimidated to tell us the truth, but they can always ask us questions. You know, and in asking us questions, they're inviting us to, to actually explore and search for an answer. Sometimes the answers we find or those things that we admit to, <laughs> we get upset about only because we know what they're trying to do. <laughs> and by them even asking the questions, I, we, I get it. You know, like if someone asked me, well, is that healthy for you? You know, was it healthy, you know, diet, drinking that much on the weekend? Was that good for you? I'd be like, what are you like, asking? 
Yeah, but you're, you're on the dick, bender. You know, like you're, better, you're on the bender, right? The bender high. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, you just know, but it, it, and of course, I know it's not good for me. But that didn't matter, you know. I'd, I and I would shoot the person down. I'd be like, I'd be a dick, you know. I'd be someone that's not very nice. And uh, and I think that's what it comes down to, you know, is this idea of of do you like yourself? Do you like your life? Do, I would go as far to say, do you love yourself and love your life? I know those are big questions, but if people actually sit there and ask themselves and explore the question, what's the answer that they'll come up with? And if they don't like the answer, and if you don't like the answer, what are you willing to do to change it? Yeah, awesome. I mean, um, lovely. I mean, stuff what do you think you... about that, Joel? Like, what, what, like, what do you think specifically when it comes to that? Because I, I can imagine that you've been challenged, or at least found yourself with challenges in your life at, at certain points. And what did you do, or did you just succumb to it and say, "Okay, I guess that's just the way it is"? And or did you do something about it? Did you do something to overcome it, to challenge it, to say, "No, I'm not going to accept." Yeah, I I I tried a whole bunch of different responses. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> until, that's the honest truth. Good, good. You know, good. you know, because you you yeah. don't really know. You don't, which is why I wanted to ask. You know, and and one of the yeah. ways that um I found that it has been useful is to always ask for help. You know, whether yes. it and 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 then decide whether that is useful. Uh, but it's always mm-hmm. very hard to accept that you need help. That's the hardest thing I I found. Um, but I think the one quote that I think resonates very well with uh, what I found works for me is a, a quote by Bruce Lee. Um, he says, mm. the solution is always within the problem. Right. So if, if you, but only if you look hard enough at the problem and actually right. see it for what it is. Because until you identify the problem um, correctly with you know, brutal honesty and yeah. no bullshit, no distractions, um, right. you can't, you'll be always finding a solution to the wrong problem and then that that sort of mask over the real problem and then you know year by year it goes by and then you start to layer you know ban it over ban it over ban it but then mm-hmm. beneath all the ban is you know the wound is rotting but you don't quite realize it and then when you finally you know something bad happens you know like what i think th- there's another brilliant book called the black swan right you know a black swan happens something you, you don't uh, expect is completely catastrophic it wipes you out. You don't see it. That's the reason why it's a back spawn. Um, and mm-hmm. you'll be fortunate and lucky if you ever had that one or two events in your whole lifespan, you know. But mm-hmm. um, the the uh Nicholas Nassim Taleb, uh, he he's a, he's the author of that book. He's a researcher. Um, he also wrote a second book called Anti Fragile or Anti Fragility, where you know mm-hmm. he studied people who not only overcome those catastrophic events, but then capitalize on it they grew stronger in fact they, mm-hmm. they they sort of welcome it you know and so um i think that these people are very like what you say self-actualized and i want to bring out this keen uh, interesting point that i've learned from a couple of my other close friends um mm-hmm. who have done research into the area of like you know master's needs um he he, he says that you know master's needs the, the pyramid is uh, is limited because at the top is self-actualization but it's still about yourself and he mm. says there's another level beyond that, which is, you know, service to others, impact towards others. Yes. So, yeah. so you know, um, if, if we see Maslow's Pyramid as an extended triangle where, you know, yes, you hit self-actualization, but if you look around and you look at the people who have actually, you know, um, I would say, you know, quote unquote, at that stage, 
what's the natural next cause of progression for them? You know, the well fills up so full that it overf- overflows, and then now you know you have the ability to give, you have the ability to um, impact other people, and I think that you know, uh, I-, I would say that I personally am at a stage where I'm premature to be thinking about that I can unconditionally, you know, wholeheartedly be able to give because my well isn't full enough yet. So mm. when I when I start to realize that, hey, you know, there's this paradigm shift where, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, as much as I try to be selfless, why is it always that I'm still, you know, the ego keeps coming up or um, <laughs> concerns about the self keep coming up? Oh, is it because I haven't really loved myself enough or filled myself up with that much abundance that I can be in a place in an ability to give. So I think that that's a, a, a very nice uh, lesson that I've learned over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's well said, you know, and uh, if you look up Dr. Wayne Dyer, I think you'll, you'll find that that idea of the shift and how he sort of uh, frames it, it, it parallels a lot of what you just said. And, and I think it's, uh, it's very true, you know, and I think back to 10 years ago, and it's really more like six years ago, you know, I'd already been not drinking for a number of years, but then I started to create communities and, and just serve, you know, um, online, offline, just volunteering, my wife and I would volunteer our time to, to support others with making lifestyle shifts, you know, health, nutrition, fitness, like it was just a big piece that we wanted to help people feel empowered with, you know, like fully capable of making the choices and taking the actions that's going to reap the greatest results as it relates to their well-being. And uh, when we started doing that, it was amazing just, just how it made us feel. You know, uh, and yeah, I, I, I laugh because it's like, yeah, I guess I'm a little selfish that way. I, I want to serve all these people because it makes me feel good, you know, and uh, in a way it does, you know, like I, I think giving to others. And, and as you said, you know, this sort of unconditional giving, uh, the idea of a gift, uh, you know, of giving and giving without the expectation of getting anything in return. I mean, that is, it's beautiful. Right. And, but you do have to be able to look after yourself too. You can't do it to the point where it now causes you to regress. Because, uh, I mean, it's not sustainable. And we see this, you, you hear that cliche all the time, but, you know, people on the airplane, right? You got to put on the, the mask of those that are less yeah, yeah. <laughs> able first because, or, or sorry, you know, look after yourself first because you can't support those if you're not well, you know, if you're not. <laughs> Tending to yourself first, it's uh, it's hard to support others. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. I, I love how you've brought up this conversation. Talked about today. I wasn't expecting this, so it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I really um, do. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Um, so I, I think I want to make an important distinction between you know uh what I said earlier as well. I think I want to contextualize this for people who are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the airplane thing because oxygen is scarce; it's in limited supply. And so, you know, uh, things like that, you, you have to make sure that um, you, you take care of yourself first. Um, but I, I'm in, in terms of other things, like, you know, things that you have always unlimited supply of, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, giving kindness, uh, caring for someone, you know, love and attention for someone, you know, things like this that is in always abundant supply. I, I found that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've always wanted to take, take, take. But then I realized that when I give, <laughs> I get it myself too. So it's double times over. Yeah, you know that's right. <laughs> and, and and so it's it's very interesting shift there. Um, 
in terms of making that that important shift. So awesome. Um, so that we're running out of time. Uh, but I just have a couple of last burning questions that um, sure, you'll be sure. remiss Absolutely. of me not to ask you. <laughs> so, um, if if you if you were to start all over again, um, mm-hmm. what would be uh, what would be some things that you would change or do differently? You know, I think about some of the interactions I've had with people, you know, specifically based on not being fully with it because of certain substances, whether it be alcohol or drugs, you know, just also with just being emotionally stressed out and burnt out. Uh, I've There's been moments in my life where I've said things that and done things that weren't kind, you know. I wouldn't say they were cruel, but they weren't kind, you know, and if I could go back, I, I often think about those. Um, like, and the funny thing is, you know, I, I probably don't even know half of them, you know, like just based on the, the frame of mind I was in and it's mm-hmm. so long ago now. Um, but I know, cause there's always a couple that stick out and I'm like, you know, I, I, I would go back and just remind myself that kindness, you know, just being kind, to other people. It's such a, a basic thing. It doesn't require a lot at all, you know, and uh, just really being more empathetic, especially in my 20s. You know, I wasn't as empathetic. I was very uh, <laughs> driven for certain gain, uh, especially as it related to my own personal success. And, and uh, I put my needs before everyone else's. Uh, and I do that for a long time. And um, so, yeah, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, <laughs> if I was to go back, I'd, I'd remind my younger self or just say, listen, gosh, because, you know, by the time you get to 40, none of this matters. It doesn't matter. It just mm-hmm. doesn't, you know. And uh, uh, so being kind to others at all times and uh, being able to really connect and, and understand what it means to be empathetic. And, and, and I, I feel, you know, that idea of being able to see yourself, but not only see yourself, but to actually feel what it would be like to walk in somebody else's shoes for a day. Just imagine what it must be like for them because it changes our perspective. And as we shift our perspective, we can see things that we couldn't see before. Yeah. So that would be it. Awesome. Uh, it's a lot more than I wanted to ask, but um, yeah, just <laughs> just a couple of last questions. Um, so what are the... Um, three takeaways that you can give to someone who's listening here to whether that be you know um to help them to start the recovery process to mm. help them to identify things that are destructive in their lives that are behaviors for example that and patterns um that aren't serving them where they want to be uh what are you know yeah. three takeaways that you can give um you know like tactical advice that they can sure. kick start their their journey well Number one, control the inputs, meaning that, you know, great podcasts like this is a prime example of a way to fill your mind with positive thoughts and ideas and concepts. And because uh, we know positive in can relate to positive out. <laughs> um, so, so really guard your inputs um, as well as your, and then from there, guard your association. Meaning, you know, who are you hanging around with? You know, Jim Rohn said we're the net sum of pretty much the five closest people we, we tend to hang around the most. Well, look at who you hang around with. Look at who you spend the time with. Look at whose mindsets influence your mindset. 
And uh, if, if you have anything to learn from Einstein, well, it's, you know, uh, doing the same thing day in, day out and expecting different results. <laughs> huh? What do we call that again? It's insanity. Uh, insanity. Yeah. That's right. So, um, you know, so protecting, uh, choosing positive inputs. Uh, so challenging how you're filling your mind and your belief systems and the mindset. Uh, guard your, your associations. So really question who you are spending the most time with. And, uh, and then lastly, uh, take control of your health. And, and the easiest way to do that is, is start exercising, you know, moving your body with purpose, getting the heart rate elevated at least once a day, minimally 20 minutes a day, and uh, start meditating. You know, like th- those two pieces. And nutrition is important too, but I don't like to overwhelm people with too much too quickly. Um, but if you can move your body, get the heart rate elevated, start to feel better in your own skin, and then you start to, to relax the mind and focus the mind through meditation, those two things will lead you to making better decisions as it relates to how you fuel your body. So uh, those are the three things. Awesome. So control the input, guard your association, yeah. and take control of your health and meditate. That's right. Awesome. Bingo, bango. <laughs> awesome. So uh, last question for you, Dai. Um, how yeah. can people get in contact with you? Well, fortunately, my parents gave me a pretty unique name. Dai is a Welsh name for David, and uh, my last name is Manuel, which is a Portuguese last name. Uh, I am Canadian, though. I had uh, through and through. Uh, you can find me really easily by coming, going to Instagram or Facebook or right to my website. Uh, it's all just my name, Dai Manuel. Uh, dot com or diamond wall on facebook diamond wall on instagram and i'm active on all those three channels so uh anything that you like to chat about let me know uh, i've got about 1400 articles on my website that are all lifestyle focused and uh, so dive in there lots of free resources and if you have questions just let me know I'm, i love these types of conversations and joel I, I love what you're doing i absolutely think it's amazing that Thank you. someone's yeah. out there creating this type of content and uh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome, uh, and I'm I'm really honored to have to have this opportunity with you. Thank you so much for your time, Dai. You're welcome to come back anytime. Awesome. Well, and uh, hey, when you're in Bali next, let me know. Uh, coconuts are on me. <laughs> sure, sure. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had with Dai. Um, I decided to try a new format today where. It's not so much business-centric, but really on the, the the emotional side of things, the health side of things, the fitness, the lifestyle, the design, um, the mindset, and uh, really a lot of what Dai talked about as inner work that you need to do um, um, in balance with the external, really. And so I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, and please do share with me your feedback on how you liked it as well. And um, just as a final note to end off, I think I want to add more value to what you just listened to. And so uh, this is just an incentive for you to stay towards the end, because um, I know this is a longer episode, really, um, but I hope it's been useful for you. So I'm going to give you, you know, some quick strategies and tactics because I don't think we got the time to actually dive into meditation and how it has, uh, how it's going to help your life if you aren't currently meditating right now. Um, there are a lot of people around me that I've seen who are doing incredibly, incredibly well, whether it be performance or whether it be in terms of contentment and fulfillment, they are all meditators. And it doesn't matter what style you meditate in. There's many styles. There's Vipassana, which I believe Dai is doing. Um, I do Vipassana as well, but I also do Transcendental Meditation, TM, so to speak. It's very popular in the West as well. Um, 
I believe I think Ray Dalio also uses TM and Ray Dalio says that, you know, out of all the, if you don't know Ray Dalio, he's one of the, uh, I think he's one of the, he's in charge of one of the largest hedge funds in the world. I, I believe it's like sovereign hedge funds, um, something like that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but you can look it up. So essentially, you know, um, someone asked him like, what has, I think it's Tim Ferriss who asked him, uh, what has been your best investment so far in the entire course of your life? And he said meditation because, you know, uh, nothing has freed me that kind of rewards as meditation had. And specifically, he's an advocate of TM. So I really encourage you to, you know, either find a TM practice, TM teacher to learn it. Uh, there's not a lot of ways to get TM training unless you go to uh, a recognized, established uh, TM practitioner to actually go and uh, pay a bunch of fees and then go and learn it for yourself. But uh, it's been one of the most valuable investments in my own life as well. So I really encourage that. Uh, the other stuff that you can do are Vipassana meditation. So uh, that you can do, um, you can actually learn it um, online as well, stuff like that. But I'm going to give you some quick free apps that you can use to get started. right? So uh, I have three apps for you. The first is Headspace. Headspace is uh, is free for the first I think couple of like modules and stuff like that. Uh, it's a good primer introduction to just get your feet wet, but um, it's not specifically very in depth meditation into a certain practice or style. It's pretty generic, but um, it's been useful as a a starting block for me. So you wanna get that Headspace. Um, the second is calm. Second is calm, and the third is insight. Insight. Okay, so uh, Insight is one of my favorites. I mean, um, before I took up TM practice, uh, Insight was a free app that I used all the time, every day. And what it has is an online um, free and paid directory of a bunch of different uh, meditation teachers who upload uh, certain tracks, causes um, that are on there that you can listen to. There's all sorts of things that is ex- so extensive. Um, I mean, they have things like bells, dongs, dings. They have like waterfall sounds if you like nature, but you can't get out. Um, they have guided tracks. They have free unguided tracks. Um, they even have you know a free timer that you can set on your own with custom dings, bells, sounds all sorts of stuff. So really, um, take full advantage of Insight because it's been one of the most valuable apps, I think, on my phone that I use all the time. And just to give you an idea of how often you should be doing it, I mean, the, the advice would be just start. It, it doesn't matter how long you do it, you know. Um, if you have free time and everybody has free time, um, if not make time because it's only a couple of minutes um, compared to the rewards you're going to get out of it, um, start it for one minute then one minute every day. But the important thing is to be consistent. The important thing is to always do it on a daily basis because meditation is one of those things that you only read the rewards long term. You read the rewards over, uh, I would say even six months is pretty premature, maybe over a year, two years, three years, but to do it consistently on a daily basis. So it requires a level of commitment for you. So don't think about the long term think of every single day like how can I insert one minute of my time whether it be you know I'm going to the toilet in the office and I just find a quiet room a quiet space and just sit in that corner and just do my thing for a minute and then be done with it right um, just to start off at one minute and then eventually you can increase it to two to three to four to five the optimal thing for um, TM transcendental practice uh, I'm not sure about Vipassana 
is 20 minutes in the morning and then in the evening. Although, of course, you can vary it up. Um, most of the time, people don't have time to commit 40 minutes a day. Um, so, you know, it could be 5 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever that may be, um, it is beneficial. And as you go deeper, the important thing to note is that you are doing it for the sake of itself. You're not doing it to get a result. So that's one of the things of meditation that is very peculiar because a lot of times people ask and say, a common question is, hey, you know, I'm doing it, but it doesn't seem to be working. I, I, don't, I don't seem to be getting the effects that I want from it. I don't seem to be getting out, anything out of it. But the deeper point is that's the whole point. You know, that's the whole point. When you're not looking to get the result of what you're doing, then you start to get, then you start to rip and sow the seeds for the long term that you actually get the rewards. So it's very funny, very peculiar. It's almost like trying not to try. You're trying to hit the target without hitting the target. So um, that's just a deeper insight. So if you're facing some roadblocks in your meditation and you find that you're not getting a lot of value out of it, uh, perhaps you might want to look inward, as what Dai says, into your thinking. How are you approaching the practice? How are you approaching doing certain things in your day? Um, are you going for the end result? Or are you doing it in and of yourself? Because the process is more important. So I just want to leave you on that note and uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Head over to video.sell.com V-I-D-E-O-T-H-A-T-S-E-L-L.com to download your free report on 8 simple ways to grow your business using video and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are listening on. And once again, I'm Joel Ong, and I want to appreciate you for listening in. And please leave us a review, because you have a unique story, and we want to hear it. Talk to you soon.